Welcome to Vibing Consciously, the podcast dedicated to deep discussions about spiritual healing and enlightenment. Hi, everyone. I'm Kat. And I'm Sarah. We're the host of the Vibing Consciously podcast, where we explore the power of conscious living together. In this podcast, we dive deep into the realms of self-love, self-awareness, and self-transformation. We don't just talk about it. We actively live and breathe it, always holding each other accountable as we navigate this journey together. That's right. We're two best friends on our own journey to healing, supporting each other despite our own beliefs and personal experiences. Through honest conversations, introspection, and connecting with our listeners, we uncover valuable insights, tools, and practices that support our constant evolution. By going inward, we unravel the mysteries of our own selves, and we're here to pass everything along that we've learned on our journey. You'll get to witness firsthand what the road to enlightenment looks like from the inside. Join us now as we dive deep into more healing, happiness, and wholeness. Whether you're a seasoned spiritual seeker or just starting on your path, Vibing Consciously is a podcast for you. Get ready to immerse yourself in discussions that will uplift your spirit, expand your consciousness, and inspire you to embrace your own self-love journey. Let's Vibe Consciously. In the last episode of Season 2, join us as we reflect on the numerous ways we have transformed ourselves, both expected and unexpected, as we continue to navigate the ever-changing landscape of our souls and consciousness. We touch on what it's like to gain awareness and understanding of the issues within our government, health systems, and society as a whole. We share our personal experiences of awakening to the flaws and injustices present within these structures and discuss the impact it has on our spiritual growth. Together, we unravel the complexity of this newfound knowledge and reflect on how it has shaped our perspectives, beliefs, and actions. Furthermore, our conversation delves into the deep introspection we have undergone as individuals. We candidly discuss the aspects of ourselves that we have uncovered and transformed through our journeys. From confronting our own biases and conditioning to embracing the vulnerability and authenticity, we share the profound impact these realizations have had on our overall spiritual evolution. Taking the exploration even further, we delve into the concept of polarity and the purpose of life as we understand it. We engage in a thought-provoking discussion on why we believe God or the divine chooses to experience everything in polarity. We touch upon the duality present in our existence and how it serves as a catalyst for growth and expansion, both on an individual and collective level. We hope you enjoyed the last episode of Season 2. Hey everybody! We are super excited and also feel weird because we've been doing this for two seasons. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's been since May. We started in May. Yeah. Now we're in December. We're coming to an end of season two. We're coming into a new year. And with the new year, we are coming into our new selves and embody more of our authentic self. So today we are going to be talking about all the ways that we have changed through this journey and have become more aligned with our authentic self because that's what this journey is all about. And it's kind of funny with this episode because the last episode was very high energy with Mm -hmm. Chelsea and today Sarah and I are kind of more chill and relaxed. Sarah just had a... I say it was a mystical experience yeah. earlier today because we were actually interviewing a future guest that we are very excited about. Yes, I'm very excited to talk with her. I have so many questions. <laughs> Sarah experienced a past life. <laughs> yeah, and it was her first kind of little mini regression. So Sarah is very quiet today and is actually doodling. <laughs> I have never seen Sarah doodle, so this is one of the ways that she's changing right now. I'm doodling, everybody. If you want a free picture, just let me know. I'll doodle for you. That's very good. So, Sarah, how do you feel like you've changed the most since starting this journey? Definitely through reaction. Not the biggest way, but one very noticeable way to myself. Is how I react to certain things. Like at the beginning of season two, um, we talked about how you and I got into it. And I didn't react. I thought about it for a couple days. Mm -hmm. And then if you just put in little life's things and all all the stuff that has been going on, 
through season two, it's just how I've reacted towards kids, how I react towards just life of anything. My reaction is different, which is weird. And it's also, I've noticed, made people approach me more, which is interesting. You feel safer. <clears throat> yeah. I mean, I'll agree with that. I've changed a lot in that way, too, where if I'm triggered, I definitely still have some work to do on my um, immediate emotional reaction. So I'm not even going to lie on that one. Mm -hmm. But my reaction to worry has changed dramatically, where mm -hmm. I used to spend my entire day worrying about the future or worrying about the past and not being in the now whatsoever. Mm-hmm. And now I find I'm present a lot of the time and I'm not really thinking about the future. And if I am, it is solely just for manifesting purposes, you know, trying to envision this person I want to be, you know, who I envision my authentic self to be. And I'm trying to match that frequency or whatever. And the only time I really think about the past is when I'm actively healing something and it's coming back up. It's not me ruminating over it all day. Mm -hmm. Like saying, I can't believe that this person did that to me. Or what am I going to ever say to them if I uh, am approached by them again? And I'm planning out all these fake conversations in my head that are mm -hmm. ridiculous. I don't do that anymore. And I love that. Mm -hmm. It gives you so much more peace when you're like that. Mm -hmm. What is the most unexpected way that you've changed? <laughs> <laughs> Uh, we gotta think about that one. You're like, no, you're giving me the look of, no, you don't. <laughs> well, I'm interested to see what you say. I don't know yet. Because oh. I know my most unexpected way for you. I'm not going to tell you that, though. Oh, but you, I'd love to hear it. I will after you say your okay. most unexpected way. What is your most unexpected way? Um, I cry a lot now. So I know that that's like typical on a spiritual journey. So when I say unexpected, I mean unexpected for us personally, mm -hmm. because I never used to cry. Mm -hmm. And if I did, it was like when I was beyond exhausted and had nothing else left in my body where now, um, so when I say I cry a lot, it, what's unexpected about it is it's not from sadness. I cry from gratitude almost every single day. Hmm. I mean, I will be driving down the road just looking at the sky, and I won't see any chemtrails, and it'll be real clouds. Or will there be any skies. music? Oh, there's always music. Yeah, the music helps. Always music. <laughs> and I'll just start crying just looking at the sky, hmm. thinking about, like, how lucky I am to be on such a beautiful planet. And it's funny because I would have never, never said that. A couple of years ago. I'm like, get me off of this hellscape planet. Mm -hmm. And now I'm in awe of trees and flowers mm -hmm. and clouds. I mean, it really, um, I don't know. It just does something to you. I don't know. It makes you so much more connected with everything. Which is another way that you've changed how you see everything. Mm -hmm. That's the same for me. I see everything in a different light. The entire world in a different light. Right. <clears throat> you say it's with... Like, more compassion. Mm-hmm. A lot. Yep, same. Yeah, because I look at... It's kind of funny because I was just having a conversation with someone the other day um, about people in prison. And we look at those people as, like, the lowest of the low scum of the earth. You know, child molesters, rapists, mm -hmm. murderers. You know, all those people are in there. And we look at it like, keep them in there. Mm -hmm. Let them rot. Let them get what they deserve. And I was, and I think I talked about this a couple of episodes ago, um, about the surrender experiment with Michael Singer. He ended up going into, I think he went into Alcatraz and was working with the people in Alcatraz. And we all know that, I mean, that's like one of the most dangerous prisons in history. And... He said it was like the one thing that changed his life in the most profound way was working with those prisoners. Because if you think about it, when we do these acts of hate, we are only doing it from our own wounds. 
I don't know anybody who has had a super cushy, genuinely happy life and has become a murderer. I mean, I'm sure there's like past life scenarios or like mental disorders that'll, you know, but for the most part, you're not going to go out and kill someone unless there is something in you that is wounded and hurting. Mm-hmm. I mean, that is a pretty big deal, murdering someone. And uh, before, I would have been one of those people that said, oh, okay, well, you molested a child. You deserve to rot in prison, and I hope that they kill you too. You mm-hmm. know, I was that person. Where now I look at it like, I actually, like, my heart expands when I think about them because I think about it like what it must have took for you to get there, for you, for you to do that to someone, especially a child. What did you go through as a child? And mm-hmm. that is really surprising, too. Um, yeah. Sorry. Earth to cats. Are you okay? I went somewhere for a second. <laughs> Are you Okay. No, I'm okay. um, You totally left. So this happens. Where you just leave? So I won't cut this out. Normally I would cut this out. Yeah. So I'm not going to cut it out. This happens once you're on your spiritual journey where you'll just be in the middle of a conversation or in the middle of doing something and then all of a sudden you realize you're gone. Hmm. Completely dissociated from your body. You're somewhere else. I don't know where I was right there. I mean, I could probably settle into it and figure it out it's like the matrix type stuff like but if you think about it though so this is okay so you guys are just seeing the whole process right here so you're getting <laughs> firsthand witness information here so what we were talking about with child molesters and what it must have taken for them to get there what did you go through as a child to get to that point that was my own experience so no wonder i dissociated hmm light bulb (laughs) so these are the things that we still have left to heal there will always be things but this is the cool part even though we still have these pieces to heal that are wounded in ourself we are still able to find joy and happiness and awe and peace in our life regardless of what we have to heal where before this I was overwhelmed to the max with trauma and all the things I had to heal. And I um, had no idea how I was going to approach it at first when I, you know, even before my spiritual journey, when I first sought out therapy, like, I don't even know how I'm going to unload this bag. There is so much in it. Where do I even start? And what is this going to look like? And there are still days. Sarah's about to have a sound healing. And um, it's her first sound healing, and she was asking me kind of the process of it and if she could cry and and all that, if that was a possibility. And I'm like, oh, yeah, you know, it'll move out whatever is in there. And after I answered her and I said, oh, yeah, you know, there's a possibility that you could cry. Her first reaction was, oh, I don't want to go then. And it's so (laughs) natural of us to to do that. I mean, I still do that every single time. Every time. I mean, I just scheduled um, an energy healing appointment that I know is going to move so much stuff out. Mm -hmm. And I scheduled it like three weeks out Mm -hmm. where I know I need that three weeks to mentally prepare for what's going to happen in that room. And maybe this is something else that probably needs to be looked at because I am surrendering to it. But at the same time, I'm still trying to control it. Because I'm thinking, you know, if I have all this time to prepare for it, then I can set the expectation of what it'll be, and I'll be good. You know, it won't be so bad. But I'm not thinking up scenarios. So I'm halfway there. Hmm. I'm just like, breathe. So if you think of scenarios in regular life, just about anything, what does that mean? So for me, if I think up scenarios, it's just... For me, it's just trying to control the situation Hmm. where I think that like going through some scenarios is good because for me, I'm not very good at, or I haven't been very good at setting boundaries. I am becoming a freaking pro at it now. So that's something else that happens. Mm -hmm. I'm really good at setting boundaries, but I usually wasn't. So some of the scenarios 
um, because I have one person in particular in my life that I had a um, quarrel with a year or so ago. Such an old word. <laughs> quarrel. And to me, it does not feel settled. We've talked about it a little bit, but it still feels unfinished. And right after it happened, I was in my head all the time thinking about what I was going to tell this person when we came into contact again or whatever. But now it's kind of turned into if that person pops up in my head and I find myself in that moment in time of the quarrel and I'm going over the things that I should have said or could have said or maybe I should say next time, I gain awareness of what I'm doing and I stop and I just extend love. I mean, I could sit here and think about everything that I could tell them to try to wake them up to see how amazing I am or whatever and how wrong they are, they are not going to listen to a single word of it because they already have their perception of me figured out in their head. I'm not going to change that for them. But if I extend love to them, like if they're sitting here telling me I'm a shitbag, I would just go back to them and say, you know, I am really sorry that you feel that way. And if I ever did anything to make you feel that way, I apologize for it. But I know that that's not true about me. And I just want to let you know that I'm sorry that you've had to carry that around about me the whole time. That must have been terrible. And, you know, depending on who this person is, I would then challenge them to look at their own stuff and say, you know, this thing that you're saying about me is so wrong. Where is it coming from? Like, is this something that you have to deal with? You know? Like, yeah. Ladies and gentlemen, this is not the cat that I worked with at Parlor. <laughs> the cat that I worked with at Parlor would walk into the back room where we had lunch, pull out her breast pump and be like, fucking hate this. This is bullshit. While she's eating her breadsticks with marinara from Brick's Pizza. Then she'd pop her ass up on the counter. She'd sit there while she continued breastfeeding, or sorry, breast pumping, <laughs> eating her breadsticks, and would continue talking shit about everything and everybody, except for, well, me. Because, you know, you were talking to me about this stuff. I would only talk about you to someone else. <laughs> <laughs> so. The cat that you guys know is a different cat from what I knew. And the day that I knew that she changed a lot was the day that you and I were walking at that lake. Man, that day must have really stood lake, out to you. Lake Johnson Lake. Man. Was the day that I realized that you changed. And it took me until maybe a year ago to realize that. I at the time, at the time, I don't know. We were just walking around. And you were telling me all this crazy shit that was happening, and I remember what I was thinking in my head. I was just like, "She's crazy." What happened to her? What What, what are you smoking? Like, Who what took over her body? Exactly. <laughs> What's going on here? And then, yeah, it just took me a couple of months to catch up with you. I guess. Hey, that's going to happen sometimes. I am totally different, and you're totally different. I mean, you're right. I used to. Uh, I'm not going to lie. If I had a full-time job again and had to pump, I would still say it's bullshit. <laughs> mm -hmm. I mean, it... Cat did not like pumping at no, all. No, it was terrible. I didn't like pumping. I did not enjoy breastfeeding either. But that's something else, too, where I'm seeing I'm, I'm changing. Where, like, the stories of my past are also changing. Because if you had talked to me two years ago about breastfeeding. Oh my God. I would have mm -hmm. said I hated it. It was awful. I lost my life. Yeah. You know, like, and really it, it felt like that. It really did because mm -hmm. she was eating probably every hour and a half, two hours on the dot. And I was not producing a lot. So like in the beginning she was cluster feeding and we did it for a year and I refused to do it anywhere in public. So I would make my grocery trips super short or I would like 
feeder in the car. And then once I started work, because we were busy all the time, I never had time to pump. And if I, you know, if I did, it was back there like quick. I have to do it while I was eating and totally lost my supply because I was not allowed adequate time to pump. And that sucked, but I was also very thankful for it because I did not want to breastfeed anymore. Mm -hmm. But thankfully we made it a year, so that was good. But yeah, I mean, I remember sitting there and talking about our coworkers, our bosses, all these things, you know, and really, if I look at it at that point, I was probably at one of my lowest points the first year of her life and breastfeeding Hmm. because she did not sleep. Mm -hmm. She never, ever, ever slept. And like she was eating every two hours during the day, but at night it was like every 30 minutes. And I was up six, seven, eight times a night. And I, re- I remember having all the towels on the floor. Mm-hmm. And I would like lay on top of the towels and try to catch a quick nap in between clients. It was awful. It That's was really awful. bad. And I, I remember driving to work too and saying, I don't even think it's safe for me to be on the road right now. Like th- this is not safe. And then my allergies started happening. Oh mm-hmm. man. Yeah, it was tough. But if you think about it, with it being one of my lowest times, I'm sitting there talking shit about everybody. Mm -hmm. How much did I hate myself during that time? So much. I felt like the worst mom in the whole world because I couldn't get my baby to sleep and I barely produced enough milk to feed her. And everybody was pretty much threatening me to not ever feed her formula. So I refused to do any sort of formula because I felt like a total failure if I were to stop breastfeeding. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so it reflected. It reflected in everything I did. And now, because I even look back and I um, I don't think I've ever seen myself as a super judgmental person, but I was. But I also like have had a lot of compassion for people, too. Mm-hmm. It, it really was just how much I hated myself. So now knowing... How much I've changed actually makes me feel really good. I must feel a whole lot better about myself these days, which is probably the best change of all of this. Mm -hmm. Just feeling good with yourself. How much do all of us hate ourselves? A lot. A lot. Yep. And being able to get out of that blame, you know, blaming everybody else for your problems and saying they're the reason why I'm like this or like that or I said this or did that. Mm Mm-hmm. And just knowing, you know, that person may have hurt me. They did not cause me to do anything that I did. That was me acting out of my own hurt. Yeah. Because now, like, I don't know. It is kind of crazy. Because I look at it like my parents were the best possible parents I could have asked for. For -hmm. what I was going to do in this life. Hmm. Yeah. And it, man. If I tell that to somebody who's not on this journey and they know what I've been through, they'd be like, she's fucking crazy. She's got Mm -hmm. some Stockholm shit going on right there. She needs to go somewhere and get that checked out. (laughs) (laughs) Because most people would say, like, you know, I don't how do you not hate your parents or whatever? And honestly, I think that this process has made me authentically love my parents more than I did before my awakening. I don't talk to either one of them. They are equally as toxic people now as they were then. But... I see them so much more clearly now than I ever have. Mm-hmm. And they were acting off of their hurt. Mm-hmm. You know? And it's just up to me if I want to change that cycle for the generations that come after me. That's what I'm doing. Hmm. Uh, I was going to add um, all the dreams that I had about my eyes being closed and I can't open them. I don't know if you remember me telling you about that. Mm-hmm. That was happening a couple years leading up to like a couple months before all this stuff happened. And it's funny how you have these dreams are like, hey, something's going to happen, but you can't see it. Mm -hmm. I haven't had any of those dreams since, but I have had, I did recently have a dream where my vision was blurry and I did look that up. It said that I was unwilling to accept something in my life. Unwilling to accept things in your life. I love dreams. They give you such good messages. You know 
last night I had my first dream where I was flying. Oh, that's cool. I've never had a dream where I'm flying before. Hmm. Mm-hmm. And it actually started with me driving over a bridge. Wow. Yep. Yep. Which that's another thing I have always been afraid of bridges. And even in my dreams, I have not been able to cross them. And this one, I was driving. And then all of a sudden, I was flying. Hmm. So it was a good sign. Yeah. And what do you think flying means? Freedom. Freedom from what? Self. Hmm. Spiritual freedom. Did you look it up? No. Oh. I just... Just wanted to hear what came out. Uh, yeah, I think it. I think it means like freedom from self, spiritual freedom, um, excelling at a rapid pace. Because the one dream book I read was talking about different modes of transportation in dreams and what they meant. And flying was the best one. Mm. You flying just your body, no, no airplane, mm. just arm wings. That's kind of cool. I mean, it's not kind of cool. It's really cool. Really cool. Do you feel like, you've probably already said this, but do you feel like your self-confidence has grown? Oh, yeah. Yeah. I mean, my biggest thing has been with singing because I love to sing, but I had a traumatic incident in middle school. It's crazy how we hold this shit. And ever since then, have not been able to sing loud A, in front of anyone else, and B, not even in front of myself. Mm -hmm. Like, when I was in the car, I would sing, but the music would be so loud that I really couldn't hear myself, Mm -hmm. and I wasn't projecting. And now I uh, got singing lessons with the backup singer of Florence and the Machine. Mm -hmm. So that was super freaking cool, and it was probably one of the most uncomfortable things I've ever done in my life, but now I feel a lot better. I can sing with the music lower. I'm feeling more confident in my voice. I'm starting to project more. And to me, that feels awesome. Mm -hmm. Now if I can just start dancing. What about you? Yeah, my confidence is up in some ways. I mean, I've noticed it to where I'll have more more confident. You know, just little things that I notice. But uh, I know yoga has had a big part in that because... I was n- not confident at all, you know, a while ago. Yeah. Zero. I can definitely tell a difference. Yeah. Just hanging out with you. I feel like you carry yourself differently now. I do. <laughs> <laughs> it's when you notice the stuff happening and you notice yourself changing. You're like, whoa. When I said reactions earlier, like what I used to react was talk about something Anything. I'll give you an example of my reaction. I don't like Brussels sprouts. Well, you know what? You can go shove them up your ass. That would have been my reaction before. (laughs) Well, thank God, because they'd love to go up your ass. (laughs) It was just, I always had such a harsh reaction. Yeah. And I notice how my reaction is different to where I don't react to something that somebody says. I just, like I said earlier, that's the way it was meant to be. So I'm noticing the confidence going up, the reactions are changing, which in turn is like making the confidence go up. It's weird how it just kind of like spider webs its way together. Right. And you know, once you get to the, I want to say the top, but who knows, of just surrender, I feel like I have become so much better at surrendering Mm -hmm. and just saying like how this morning you lost your phone, you couldn't find your phone. And stuff like that. And like you're on the way to school. And those situations I've gotten so much better. Where yeah. I'm like, you know what? I don't need my phone. I'm just going to leave without it. Or I wouldn't be able to make it to your to house look. if I didn't. <laughs> right. In that case, I would continue to look and find it. But I would have known that there is a reason why I'm being held up right now. Yeah. And I'm not going to stress about it. Yeah. And really, honestly, I got in the shower later than I thought that I would. And then I found myself standing there like, oh my God, this was great. And I'm like, oh shit. Like I dissociated again Mm. and did not notice. And I don't know how long I was standing there. Mm. And so the extra time actually was needed on my end. So, you know, it all worked out. Mm -hmm. Well, I don't, in my defense, I don't even know how my phone got under (laughs) the couch. One of those little critters you raised. (laughs) My dog Athena was the one that found it. She just was like, 
sniffs under the couch, and I was like, what is she looking at? And sure enough, there it was. Dogs are the best. Yeah. Yeah. I've gotten so much better about that, because usually I would get so upset. Like, why am I stuck in traffic? Or why am we're ready to leave? Why can't we just get out the door? You know, stuff like that. And But then there's times where you notice you're doing that even now, because I'm sure as yeah. humans we still do that. And you'll want to correct it. You'll be like, oh, shit. I yeah. shouldn't have reacted like that. Yeah, I definitely still have those moments where I get upset. Like I said earlier, when I'm triggered, that is when it's still difficult for me. Like, I, I've gotten so much better because there are things that happen now that would have been super sensitive triggers before and I would have flipped that I'm fine with now. But anything dealing with my patience, anything that tests my patience, and I, I feel like... They are really like tests, constantly. It really is our higher self saying, okay, you've been working on this. Let's see how you show up this time. Are you going to do it again? Or are you going to take a step back? And are you going to be aware of the situation to see how you're reacting? Sometimes I do the right thing and sometimes I don't. Well, I shouldn't say the right thing. Anything in that moment is the right thing because it's just what happens. Mm-hmm. But, you know, sometimes I'm able to use my tools. Sometimes I forget about my tools. But I will always have the awareness afterwards. And that's the thing where the awareness afterwards of seeing, okay, I acted like this. What could I have done differently? And these are the scenarios that I think are important to run through your head where, you know, I messed up. I said this or that. What can I do to be different next time so that I'm preparing myself? Because if you're not prepared, you're going to react the exact same way. It's Mm -hmm. just human nature. It's how we're wired. Mm-hmm. You have to rewire yourself, and that's what we do in this spiritual journey. We're rewiring ourselves. We're coming to an awareness of unhealthy things that we've done or been a part of, mm-hmm. and we're rewiring those parts about our brain because a lot of those things are subconscious programs that we're not even aware of. So, like how you are reacting in anger all the time, you are probably super angry about something in your life that you didn't want to face. And now in your spiritual journey, you've now faced that thing. You've looked at it, you've healed it. And now you're not so angry all the time Mm -hmm. where before you have this awareness, you are literally just operating on subconscious programs. Yeah. It's crazy. It is. And you, you also become more aware of like, I don't drink alcohol Mm -hmm. Um, and food, especially you're like, I could eat X mm-hmm. or I could eat O. You know, it's all, everything is a choice and you're like, okay, what are the, sometimes I'm like, okay, what would be the outcome if I ate this? Mm-hmm. Like if I ate Chick-fil-A today and I shit my brains out in about 30 minutes, am I going to enjoy that? Probably not. So mm-hmm. if I eat a arugula salad, I don't know, and I feel good the rest of the day, That'd be much nicer. Yeah. You know? So your awareness of even small things like that. Right. Are heightened. And yeah. And it's another way to care for yourself too. Because I know before, and this is going to sound crazy, but I never knew what feeling good felt like before my spiritual awakening. I was totally unconscious and depressed, anxious, all these things all the time. And I would feel like I was doing things for myself. Like I would go get a massage every now and then or a pedicure. And I'm like, yeah, I'm doing things for myself. Mm -hmm. No, I was not. I look, massages are great. But like if you need a deep tissue massage when you've got all these freaking knots in your back, it is, you know, it's kind of like a double-edged sword. Like it feels good, but at the same time, it hurts like shit. Mm -hmm. (laughs) So massages are, are nice. Don't get me wrong, they are. But it's still not a super joyous experience all the time because, like, you're in pain Mm -hmm. for some of it. And now I'm actually starting to see what it's like to feel good. And like you're saying, I could choose to eat this or that. If I eat this, I'll probably feel like shit. If I eat this, then I'll probably feel good. Where before I would look at it like, Yeah, I might go home and have an upset stomach and all that, but man, it tastes good. So I'm just going to eat it and do it and take the chance. Mm -hmm. And that was my, 
that was my way of looking at it and I would do it. And even when I, I had like this horrible intolerance to gluten for a while Mm -hmm. and I still freaking ate gluten. And I went to a store to get pills to calm the reaction, which actually ended up just making it so much worse. But like, why do we do this shit to ourselves? You know, it's, it has to just be because of this internal disdain for ourselves. you know, the shame or the guilt or whatever we're holding as to why we continue to do things that we know are not good for us. So now I'm actually seeing, and this is a huge change for me, I'm seeing myself before I do certain things like eat or whatever, saying, this will not make me feel good after. Like, just remember that, you know, and if I eat it, I give myself grace and I'll say, okay, there's always next time to make the better choice or whatever, because there are still things that we have to do to cater to our body, unfortunately, through this process, because it's not an overnight thing where, you know, you've only eaten processed food and sugar your whole life. You're not going to wake up the next day and say, I'm only going to eat healthy. And that's the way it is. It never works like that with anyone. I mean, your body goes through withdrawals. There are chemical processes that happen in your body when you're ridding yourself of these foods. And also, like, getting your body used to healthy food. Because sometimes when I eat healthy food, it kills my stomach. Mm -hmm. Because it's just not used to it. Like, it's trying to run through there when usually I'm backed up or whatever. And it does not like it. So in order for you not to go into shock... You almost have to do these little baby steps to get to where you're going. But I feel like we are always progressing forward in our lives. I don't think I've ever really known someone that, if they're trying, I'm not talking about someone who gets like hooked on drugs and ends up under a bridge somewhere. And usually I would say they come out of it. Sometimes they don't. But for the most part in our life, we're always growing. We're mm-hmm. always better today than we were yesterday. Whether you're on the spiritual path or not, it's just human evolution. I feel like it's like our, just something in our soul that says that we have to evolve. And some of us gain the awareness of how that evolution needs to happen. Some of us don't, and it just naturally happens. But when you're on, when you're on this journey, I don't know, it, it can be difficult sometimes because you want to be enlightened, you want to be free of pain, you want to feel joy, And I wholeheartedly believe that anybody who says that they are happy all the time is lying. Mm -hmm. We were given a, a range of emotions. And I don't think that God or the creator, universe, whatever, I don't think that this energy created us with anything on accident. Like, God didn't say, oh, shit, I accidentally gave you anger. Oh, well, fuck it. Go ahead. You know, but mm. don't feel it. Did that on accident. That was a whoopsie. God did not do that. Mm. God is meticulous about everything it does. I mean, if you look at look at it in a deeper way of like the Big Bang, if you look at how a nuclear bomb goes off, it is chaos. And with the Big Bang, everything happened in order. Everything in space is in a particular spot for a certain reason to get, you know, certain energetic properties out of it or whatever. This source did not give us an array of these emotions to not feel them. So what we typically do when we're feeling sadness or anger is, and especially in this spiritual journey, because when you're here, you want to be happy. Anger starts coming up and you say, oh, no. I'm not supposed to feel that, or I'm not supposed to act out in that way. When really, yes, you were, because you were feeling angry. And it's normal to be angry. Now, could you change your reaction for next time? Sure. But the way that you reacted now is the way that you were supposed to react, because that's what your body needed. Mm -hmm. Because so many times we're angry and we don't yell, or we're sad and we don't cry. Mm -hmm. None of those things are bad. And I think the most peaceful people are the people that allow themselves to feel all of that. They're not the people who are happy all the time. Mm-hmm. The people who are happy all the time are lying. It, it's the truth. Yeah. And I think like the faster that we can accept that 
and stop resisting that, the better it'll be. Yeah. Yeah. And that's a big one, too. Yeah. A big change. Because just the other day, I was feeling really sad about something. And I knew it wasn't anything personal with me. It was something that happened with with something else. But I was feeling kind of like it was a personal attack. And it wasn't. It wasn't at all. And so I started talking myself out of being upset about it. Like, I shouldn't be upset about this. You know that they didn't mean it in that way. You're only feeling hurt because of da-da-da. And I said, you know what? Stop trying to talk yourself out of it and just sit here and feel it. Mm -hmm. So I did. I was painting at the time, and I put my paintbrush down. I closed my eyes, and I just sat there and cried, and I felt it. And it passed in, like, 30 seconds. Mm. (laughs) And it was good. I felt great for the rest of the day, just getting out that little cry. I mean, it's crazy the things that we do to run away from that little bit of time. Do you like that you cry more? No. (laughs) No, I hate it. It gives me a headache. Makes me have a lot of snot. (laughs) (laughs) I move a lot of uh, energy through my sinuses, especially when I cry. That's probably why I move a lot of energy through my sinuses, because I've never allowed myself to cry. Mm. Mm -hmm. Great. But we're working on that. We're doing it. We're crying. We're feeling... Doing all the things. Crying a lot. I cried today. I wasn't expecting that. I don't normally cry in front of cat ever, and I don't. I don't think I've cried. Well, let's see. Cried in front of you a couple episodes ago. So it's happening more frequently now. <laughs> and the time before that was a uh, a while ago on the phone. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that was. That's all the times I've ever cried in front of you, and today it was weird. I don't know if I've ever cried in front of you. You've been to the point of like emotional, like tears coming in your eyes. But then I stop it. Yeah, but I've never actually seen Kat like cry. Yeah, that's usually what I do. I have this really nice way of breathing that I've had my whole life. That when I feel like I'm about to cry, I put it up into like the top, the roof of my mouth kind of there and I swallow it down and I just breathe through it and it stops it like a pro but you're supposed to feel it ah you're like I don't want to yep that's one of those body reactions that you have to fight yeah because I when I do cry I'll I'll find myself doing that where I like when the other day when I was sitting here trying you know let myself feel it yeah it took me a minute to be able to not breathe like that like, I had to open my mouth so that I was not breathing through my nose. Hmm. So that I wasn't able to breathe through my nose and put it at the roof of my mouth and then swallow it down. Because hmm. that's, I mean, that's the only visual that I can think to describe it. But, yeah, it's weird. It's weird. Just how our body has these different protective mechanisms that happen automatically. Mm-hmm. And we have to stop them. Stop it. Stop it, body. I love you, body. <laughs> <laughs> Oh. Say that all day. Damn, body. I love you, buddy. I've had a lot of times recently where I'm driving in the car and I'll be thinking, oh, I really haven't changed that much. And then it's like the next day or a couple hours later, I'll be thinking about something like, well, yeah, I have. Mm-hmm. You have. Yeah, yeah. We both have. It's just, I think it's kind of like with kids. When they're your kid, you don't really notice. I mean, you know how much they're growing, but you don't notice like when they've gained a few inches or Mm -hmm. whatever. Where when the grandparents have been gone for a few months and then they come back, they're like, oh my God, she's grown so much because Mm -hmm. they haven't seen her um, or them. And I think with us, you know, we see ourselves every day. So we don't, it's not a thing where it's like a shock of how much we've grown. It just kind of is who we've become. And we don't look at it like, you know, we've made these big leaps. We have. And the longer that we live in this space, I think the more that we're going to forget who Mm. we used to be. And it's going to be really hard to remember. Like, wow, I did that? Really? Or I said that? I don't remember that at all. I Mm. can't believe I said that. Because it's not you. I mean, you become a whole different person. Yeah, I feel like I was kind of like, uh... Someone just kind of like pushed me off the ledge. Okay. <laughs> and that's how I got, you know, land, you know, face down. All right. Let's see what you think of this. You okay down there? All right. Shake it off. <laughs> Here Let's we go. Off. Come on. Get ready. You're good. 
That's what it felt like. Yeah. No, I know. Me too. Like literally hitting rock bottom and... Have you ever seen those cartoons where they get smashed by a car and then they have to like... They take their head and they have to peel themselves off out of the cement or whatever? Yeah. That's kind of what it felt like. Oh, yeah. Because being sent into a spiritual journey, like, nobody expects it to be a drastic, traumatic type ordeal, really. Like, you think spiritual journey and you're like... Right. You know, be with the angels. I didn't even know what spiritual journey meant until I got pushed off the cliff. Me too. Yep, and that's how it felt for me too. And it's funny that in order for us to find peace, we have to experience the worst pain. It is crazy. It's crazy. But yeah, it was like that for me too. And like, why does it have to be the worst pain? Like, what? Like, it's a human how does condition. that the Spiritual journey and worst pain connect together, like... It's duality. You think it'd be like a magnet where it like, kind of like push itself away from each other? You know what I mean? But that would be at the wrong ends. Oh. If you put the magnets on the other end, they draw towards each other. And <laughs> if you want to look at it like that, magnets are a negative and a positive. If mm. you put a positive and a positive together, they're going to repel. Mm-hmm. But if you put a negative and a positive together, they're going to attract. Mm-hmm. So the deeper you get into pain the more you can get into the light, which is why the spiritual journey sucks so bad a lot of the time. Because it's like the higher you go up in frequency, you have to match that same frequency on the opposite end of the spectrum. So the more I get into this, the deeper I know I'm going to go into myself and it's going to get darker and darker and darker. And it's up to me if I'm going to keep the darkness there or if I'm going to transmute it and bring it into the light. What is the point of all this? Not of, not of the spiritual journey per se, but like we come here, we do all this healing and heal and heal and heal and heal to not have to come back here and do this again, to stop the, the trauma of past family members to like, what is the fucking point of like <laughs> going to work, having friends, eating food, uh, going to the mall, like holding the phone? What's the point? The experience. Because. But for what? Well, so the higher levels of God in the upper dimensions, they don't have physical bodies. So they want to experience everything. Right. They're pure light. They're in love all the time. Now, with us, think about it. If we're in a bliss state all the time, happy, 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 we would get bored. It's just the way of our soul. It's the way of God. I mean, God wants to experience itself in every way possible, and God is an explorer. And so that's why there's so many of us. But if God is everything, Mm -hmm. everywhere... Every one, why would it need to experience anything at all? It's already experienced everything because it already is everything. Yeah. Well. So again, let me circle back to that question. What is the point? Well, the universe is infinite. So you have to look at it like right now we're having this experience, right? But we were just talking about how we're living on all of these other planes at the same time on lower dimensional planes and higher dimensional planes. Mm -hmm. So we, on all of those planes, are experiencing somewhat of the same thing, but in a different, in a different way. (laughs) So there are infinite possibilities as to what can happen. Because in those lower planes, I could make a horrible decision to go murder someone. And then God's going to experience what it's like to be a murderer. And then... The next time I come back, I'm going to be the person on the other end of the gun. I'm going to be the one murdered so that I can experience what it's like to be murdered. And look at how many situations we have on earth that you could experience. Mm -hmm. I mean, our emotions here are so complex and there's so many variations of them alone just on earth. I mean, the universe is infinite. So we are experiencing ourselves and God is experiencing itself through us on all of these other planes, doing all of these other scenarios. My question is, does it ever end? Hmm. 
is there ever a point where God says, okay, I know enough? I don't know. And from what everything that I have studied, because I study channelers and ancient text and stuff like that, and I have never become aware of any being that knows really the big why. Like, we really don't understand the point of all of this. I mean, I was specifically watching a channeler that channels um, Arcturian beings from the 12th dimension. And they even said, we don't know why, but really it's not up to us to know why. It's not up to us to understand. We're just here playing the game. And they understand that they're playing the game. And that's the involvement of it. Because when we start here on earth, we're not aware of the game. And as we grow, we are becoming more aware of the game and of the matrix. And we're finding our way back to God. So that's really the whole point of all of this stuff is finding our way back to oneness and connection. But I just don't see how that could ever happen with polarity. Because like I said, for all the light, there is equal dark. Mm-hmm. So to me, I feel like it's going to be going forever. I mean, the universe just keeps growing and growing and growing. So I don't think there's ever going to be a, a um, like an end goal. I don't know if there is an end goal because even like what's playing out on earth is playing out in our universe too. Like the war, the fighting and all that, there are galactic wars, spiritual wars all over our universe, across the universe and our galaxy. And like, I don't know. I mean, I feel like there's always going to be this battle between good and bad. And it's just like where you end up in the battle. I don't know. I mean, that's the best I can come up with. Hmm. It's just, it's all for the experience. And in our human minds, because I think that's why surrender is so hard. Because there has, there have been times in my journey where I'm like, okay, God may want to experience this. I don't. I don't feel like I want to experience this. I don't care about this right now. It's not up to me. They're building a house over there. Oh, what does that sound? Yeah. But it's not up to me. And surrendering to that is really difficult. Because I know I am just a player in the game. We literally are in a video game. How we play video games and we're controlling the characters in it. We're watching them from the outside do all these things. We're telling them where to go. That is the same exact thing that's happening to us. Our higher self is looking at us and our spirit family and all of these other freaking ETs that are studying our planet are all looking at us saying, ooh, what are they going to do next? Because we have free will so they can present us with options and what to do. They can't make us do it. Now they can continue to put things in our life that happen that force us to do it. So I think that's why we have to hit rock bottom is because our higher self will give us these clues, like, wake up, wake up, hello, wake up. And then they're like, oh, she's not waking up. Well, I guess we're going to have to give her a car accident or a divorce or, you know, whatever to wake her up because sometimes that's what it takes. And look at what it's taken to wake up the collective. COVID, I mean, I think 9-11 is really what started a lot of it. Because 9-11 changed everything. Everything. And now we're finding out 9-11 was not at all what they're saying it was. And it was actually staged like that. Yeah. So it is taking our collective hitting rock bottom to wake up. Because all of those videos were out then of people saying, I was in the building watching the bombs go off. And I was running from them while they were going doom, 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 doom each floor. Those videos were taken then and people ignored them. And people were like, that's not true. It was terrorist because I don't want to face the fact that our government would kill all those people for money. Hmm. And that's exactly what they did. They wanted to gain control over the oil over in the Middle East. So they said, oh yeah, these terrorists came in. So we have been misinformed for a lot of our life. And a lot of us have never even questioned it. Mm-hmm. we've just taken what they said is the truth. And now our collective is falling apart because they're starting to see, oh my God, 
our government really wants to kill us. They really don't give a shit about our kids. They really don't give a shit about us. Well, what does that make me? Where do I stand in that? Hmm. And, well, buddy, looking at yourself in that way, because that's kind of where we're at now. We're like, we don't want to work jobs that are benefiting the man. We are not going to put our hard time and effort into paying someone else. We're going to pay ourselves because they already take damn near half of our pay for taxes as it is. Mm-hmm. And we're not doing insurance. We're going to holistic doctors and stuff like that. Like we're trying our best to get out of these systems so that we don't feel so manipulated. Cause now when I go to the doctor, I question everything they say. Mm-hmm. Like I don't even trust them anymore. And that is a horrible place to be. Yeah. I mean, it really is. And I don't like feeling like that. But it's what it is. I mean, I've, I've become so aware of everything and, you know, everything that those doctors learned in school, a lot of it was lies, you know, I mean, and, and it's just crazy, the stuff mm-hmm. that we've been told. Yeah. So unfortunately, we do have to hit rock bottom here on earth. I mean, I don't know if it's like that everywhere else. I mean, and maybe my version of rock bottom isn't actually rock bottom it was just like a hard patch well it could have been your rock bottom though because everybody has a different threshold mm-hmm. i mean for me i feel like um my rock bottom should have happened in my early 20s that was like the worst time of my whole life and i never woke up so if you are presented with rock bottom and you still turn to i don't know not listen i guess mm-hmm. Does it end up presenting itself in a different way? Mm-hmm. Sometimes a worse way? Mm-hmm. Ugh. Yep. Always in a worse so way. So it's always good to listen. Yeah, yeah, it is really good to listen. And that's like, from me learning that, that's what makes it so difficult when I'm trying to coach people. Because I'm like, please don't do that. Please don't make that decision. But I have also learned it's not up to me to tell them to make that decision or not. Because I don't. I can't judge their rock bottom. To me, that could definitely be rock bottom. But to them, they could keep going lower because of how much they dislike themselves. And, you know, everybody has their threshold. How much abuse am I going to put up with here? And I think because of all of my past abuse, because I had already been at that rock bottom spot, and I thought, and I did turn my life around at that point, But it wasn't until I actually sat still and started realizing how much all that stuff had affected me. Mm -hmm. That was really my rock bottom, was just recognizing, oh my God, all of this stuff is killing me. And I've been running from it the whole time and feeling all of that stuff. That was my rock bottom. Where other people, their rock bottom may be losing their house, losing their car, losing their kids, someone in their life. Um, or it could be as simple, like just losing a job. And I say simple, it's not simple. Losing a job is, is a big thing. Mm-hmm. But as compared to losing your child or your house, I would much rather just lose a job. Mm-hmm. But I've also heard people, you know, say, how did you come about your spiritual awakening? And they'll say, oh, I was standing in a pasture <laughs> and just knew that life was not what I thought it was. Wow. What? Well, that's been nice. Huh. But no. There wasn't anything happening in that pasture. There wasn't like a tornado or (laughs) (laughs) there wasn't like a bull charging at you or anything. (sighs) And that's why it's so different for everybody. Because like I said earlier, I have not loved myself. And there have been, there could be other people who are not like me and just already love themselves more and come to a spiritual awakening a lot easier. Mm. But for me, I tend to do the hard hard path and that's what I'm changing now that's why I'm trying to start listening that's why I pay so much attention to synchronicities because I do not want to go backwards I want to go forward and if I know that my higher self in the universe is going to send me signs on how to make my path easier then I will take the signs and that's it for our last episode (laughs) well I'm excited to see what uh, season 3 is going to be like where we'll be be by then yeah i mean i think season two was great 
and we're just growing more every episode that we do and yeah i'm hoping to have bigger guests bigger topics just like i said at the end of season one we're just going to keep growing and getting bigger so yeah i'm excited to see where it goes thank you guys for your support and um we hope that you guys have a good christmas a good new year whatever you celebrate have a good one and be blessed and be merry love you Thank you for joining us on this journey to self-discovery and healing. We hope the discussions and the practices we've shared have helped you to raise your vibration and find more peace and balance in your life. Don't forget to be kind to yourself, listen to your body, and trust the process. Make sure to visit our website at vibingconsciouslypodcast.com where you'll find links to listen to our newest episodes, subscribe to our newsletter, and find out where you can find us on social media. If you have a topic that you'd like to be featured on Vibing Consciously or you'd like to be featured as a guest, please reach out to us. We'd love to hear from you. Keep up the great work. And remember, if you're feeling, you're healing. Until next time, keep shining your light and spreading your love wherever you go. Namaste.